This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, Will Byram makes his return, and we discuss Vanderbilt's 34-17 loss to Kentucky at Vanderbilt Stadium. Both Ken Seals and Mike Wright played. Mike Wright actually scored a couple of touchdowns in the second half, so we will get to our three main takeaways in that one and look a little bit uh, to Ole Miss next Saturday. And then in men's basketball, the Commodores start out 2-0 after a pair of 19-point victories over Alabama State and Texas State. We recap both of those games, mostly Texas State, and get our first impressions of Stackhouse and the boys in year three at Memorial Gym ahead of their game Wednesday night at home against VCU at 8 o'clock Eastern time. Also, Will gets a chance to give his opinions on the big facility renderings release last week. And... Big things are happening on Vanderbilt's campus. Of course, there's still no shovels in the ground, but the Commodores' future is bright on West End. We'll dive more into the big facility upgrades that are soon coming. But also, got to remind you guys, this is actually episode 126. Throughout this episode, I said 125, so I'll take the blame for that. Coming up here on the Dual Report, episode 126, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Let's ride. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome into The Door Report. It is episode 125. It is November 16th, 2021. We are powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, and Mr. Will Byram is back with us. I think it's been about a week and a half since, uh, since he's been back with us, uh, but, uh, but he's here, and, and we're ready to talk football. We'll be talking basketball, and we'll even... No, it has his... not been a week and a half, Billy. Come on now. A week? It's not been a week and a half. It's been a week at most. Man. Okay, okay, we'll go, we'll go a week. We'll go a week. Uh, you, you wouldn't skip out on us in a, over a week. No, you? You just, we just recorded four episodes last week. To, like you recorded two other ones after. We've been ramping Some of them up. Have jobs, Billy. <laughs> we got lives outside of Vanderbilt sports, but uh, yeah. but that's what we're talking Barely. about. Big facility, big facility renderings, Will, and we will uh, wasn't able to get your take uh, on that, but we'll uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. But Will, it's. There's a lot going on. Football, of course, there's a lot of the same stuff going on. But basketball, we've got some wins to talk about. And that's the best thing about it right now. We actually have hope. I feel like for the first time, Billy, I mean, th- thank God that this team has come out. And at least I know the teams they've beaten have not necessarily been even really good mid-major programs. But that Texas State team, Vanderbilt was only a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. NCAA tournament over, team last year. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a pretty solid team, and they came out and dominated them, even though they didn't play particularly well, especially in that first half. And Texas mm-hmm. State came out unconscious. I think they were four or five or three <laughs> yeah. or four to start out that game. And the team fought through and ended up cruising pretty pretty handily to mm-hmm. a victory. And Scottie Pippen Jr. Uh, <laughs> going on that insane hot streak there at piece. the end after – yeah, he had. It was kind of weird. And when we go through the Texas State game, which we will do this episode, mm-hmm. he had not really shot well uh, no. through the first two games until he hit that hot streak there. He yeah. actually airballed a couple threes, I which is that. very odd to see. But maybe this is locked him in. And maybe now He's... you're about to see him explode even more. Granted, we're saying explode even more after he just dropped a 30 piece in his second game <laughs> of the season. But 
uh, man, it, it was exciting to see. And a lot of guys seem to have taken a step forward. Yes. I haven't gotten to come on here and discuss any basketball yet. Uh, since we've seen actual on-court action, so I'm pretty excited about it. Billy. Yeah, we'll dive into all of it. And, and Will, we talked in our group chat that it's crazy that Scotty Pippen Jr. has gotten better. It's crazy looking at looking at his game, where it was last year, and now where it's at. And even guys like Jordan Wright um, and, and Miles Studi even, too. It seems like those three guys are, yes. are, the, are their dudes right now. And, and we'll dive into everything going on with the team. And, and, of course, with football, we'll get to our usual three main takeaways from that. Uh, we got Ole Miss next Saturday at Ole Miss, and then you got Tennessee. Uh, uh, you got two road games here towards the end, uh, and we'll also get to the big facility renderings. But before we get to all that, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. All right, let's get to the breaking news. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to a Laco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, well, let's uh, let's start with football here. And uh, I know it's it's been tough. It's been it's been a brutal grind here throughout the season, but we're going to do our best once again to get to our three main takeaways and run through some of the key stats here, but uh, Clark Lee obviously had his presser today and he talked about several things, but Davion Davis is uh, is gone for the year. So, I, I, well, you could argue Ramon Davis, most important guy on offense that couldn't get hurt, and Davion Davis, most important guy on defense that couldn't get hurt. What happens? Both of those guys are now hurt. So I don't want to say there's a curse now with football. This is year one of Clark Lee, but this is not good. And, Will, I'm not saying these two guys – you know, they're playmakers. They impact the games. With with Ramon Davis, would they have won another game? Who knows? Likely not. But with Davis, you know, that's a culture guy now now gone. So it's it's just tough to see, you know, more news like that. Yeah, the the curse of Kevin Stalling seems to have expanded over the football field. I don't think Derek Mason had a successful or long enough tenure, even though it was seven years, uh, to bring a curse upon the Vanderbilt football program. I think he did enough of that himself. Um, but it's pretty crazy to think that in, in basketball, it's been year after year. And in football, it almost feels as well. It has been year after year after year of injuries. And it goes all the way back to Warren Norman after his SEC freshman yes. of the year performance and then blowing out his knee. And it's hard to come back from that specifically when you're Vanderbilt because other teams, even like Davion Davis, Davion Davis was a high three-star. He mm-hmm. wasn't a four- or five-star guy but he was still clearly the emotional leader of that yes. defensive line. He was taking steps forward. And it's just like, that was the guy that you can't lose. He's the heart and soul of that defense. Every time they make a turnover, him, mm-hmm. Elijah McAllister, um, I think we're probably the heart and soul, even yep. though Davion Davis has had more of a real impact on the field this right. year. Not saying Elijah McAllister's played poorly, um, but they don't have depth. They don't have the depth to come back from these injuries. And specifically on the defensive line, 
actually the entire defense doesn't have the depth to come back from injuries mm-hmm. if we're being honest and that's what we're struggling with right now at this point in the football season yeah it's is, tough. It's, it's, it's tough. tough for us to come on here and be like this is what this is what the key problem is or this is the key takeaway mm-hmm. because pretty much everything is the problem there's not one thing that i can point to on this team and say this is going well right. and that's where you have an issue is previously even in the bad teams of the Derek mason era you could say okay the defense is really good defensive lines where we're struggling on defense offense is okay we just don't have you know maybe our offensive line isn't quite playing right. well or we don't have the explosive mm. playmakers but it's everything it's quarterback play it's running back depth and play it's blocking it's receivers getting open it's receivers dropping balls it's defensive line depth it's no re- no pressure on the quarterback they can't stop the run there's a the lot corners can't keep up with the receivers the linebackers can't fill gaps in the run game or cover tight ends there's just so many things on the field and it's also not even talking about the coaching issues as far as game plan is concerned why in the world this team continuously comes out in the first half and gets blown out in the first half and then makes halftime adjustments and can either come back or at least make the game a little look a little bit more competitive like you saw in Kentucky. Right. Now, how much of that was Kentucky taking their foot off the gas mm-hmm. versus Vanderbilt actually playing better? But you saw it in Missouri and South Carolina. You saw it with Colorado State. You've seen it all season, and it's just the same problems week in, week out, which makes it tough to come on here and have some new key takeaway when in all actuality – it's the same key takeaways we had during the ETSC yeah, week. It's, so it's tough. It's really hard to move and, forward. You know, we, we, we'll talk about, you know, some of the offense and, and kind of how much, you know, we talk about improvement. It's tough to see improvement there. And, and now the defense, though, well, you know, we've agreed that's a different story. They, they're they're mm-hmm. being put in that position to succeed. They just don't have the dudes right now. And offense, that's the, that's they have what the we dudes. Say is the, it's you know, the Jimmys like, and the Joes and the X's and O's. And clearly, I think we both agree that the defense is Jimmys and Joes problem. Exactly. And I think we can see, even though there have been some question marks around the defensive alignment that's allowing these teams to run the ball so effectively with only three down linemen really mm-hmm. up on that line of scrimmage. But you can kind of see where they're going. The right. offense, man, I have no clue where they're going. I don't tough. think you do either. Yeah, no, it's tough. It's tough to see where where the game plan is offensively. But, Will, let's get into a little bit more deeper into this Kentucky game. Kentucky beat Vandy 34-17. Cats are now 7-4 and four in the season, 5-3 and three in the SEC. Vandy falls 2-8, 0-6 in the SEC, 19th consecutive SEC loss, their fifth loss in a row. Uh, slow start killed them yet again, Will, and we've talked about that all year. You, you just can't you can't start games like that and expect to win. Uh, Ken Seals started the game, which I mean, for all intents and purposes, was a surprise. We you know we didn't, we thought he would play potentially, but I didn't know if he would start. He really struggled. Twelve of 17, 87 yards. That interception was brutal. Uh, Mike Wright played in the second half. Played. I mean, he didn't light the scoreboard up, but he he, he yes, managed he the offense a lot. I mean. <laughs> Technically, he did, but his stats, you know, <laughs> his stats don't don't pop out on the page. Seven for 11, 58 yards, two touchdowns. Um, but again, the, the offense is it's just hard to see what you know what they want to do. Patrick Smith, 18 carries, 84 yards. Chris Pierce, decent day, six catches, 69 yards, and a touchdown. That was actually a nice rollout throw from, from Mike Wright to to Pierce in the end zone. Amir Abdur Rahman sighting, seven catches, 65 yards, and a touchdown. Where did that come from? Where, where and and you know we'll get to some of him, but you know he he finally is is being utilized in this offense, and this is the first he had two catches eight yards before Kentucky. So we'll get into a little bit of him, will, but 
Kentucky, I mean, they just bludgeoned Vanderbilt in the second half. Uh, I mean, really in the first half, but they they kind of imposed their will uh, there late in that first half. 413 total yards. Chris Rodriguez, like we thought, had a big day on the ground, 114 yards on the touchdown. But, Will, it, this game for me was a, just a slow death. And the first half was, was basically the game. I mean, you know, after that 28 point, you know, 31 points in the first half, four touchdowns. I mean, it was a slow death. You didn't feel like Vanderbilt was going to be able to come back much closer in that. But, I mean, it, the, the slow death on the ground, Kentucky, it was almost another showing uh, of, of death by a thousand cuts, which, you know, coming into this one, I talked about in the preview, if, if that happened again, they, they weren't going to have a fighter's chance and they didn't. So, I mean, the, the same thing happened with it. We had been talking about all season long. So um, again, it, we'll get to our keys, Will, but real quick, just kind of your initial recap and, and as tough it, as it is to find any sort of things to talk about, it's just, you know, it's been a lot of the same. Yeah, this is going to be once again, I'm trying to, I have, we have our three key takeaways that we mm-hmm. haven't looked at each other's. So I'm, all of my three key takeaways are relatively negative, I would say. Right. So I'm going to try to go through here and find the positives. Yeah. And I, I, know that's I, a, I have one that's positive. not a normal. Yeah. 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 I have so one positive and two negatives. <laughs> try to recap or not even recap, but just point out some things that might be positives. And number one is Patrick Smith. Uh, really legitimately, he's a true freshman. I think he is a legitimate SEC running back and he's going to be there for years and yes. we're still going to be seeing him next year, gaining some playing time alongside mm-hmm. Ramon Davis. And mm-hmm. I don't think we would have expected that going into this year. Yeah. And it was actually, I don't remember which of the announcers said it towards the end of that Kentucky game. Um, but it, it was Mike running Golick out the clock. Jr., probably. Was, <laughs> I, uh, I don't know who it was, but they said this Vanderbilt team, while they're two, they're about to be two and eight. And this is not, you know, there's not a lot of positive to look forward right. to. They said they have a real foundational piece in the backfield in yes. Patrick Smith. I wouldn't go that far and say say to that extreme, but that was somebody who's not a Vanderbilt fan. Probably even though he was announcing the game, I really don't think he has watched a ton of Vanderbilt football in his own no, time because if you're no. not if you're not a Vanderbilt fan, it's not a very fun product to put on your television. Not really. But he watched Patrick Smith and was impressed in the same way that we have been in that he is able to make guys miss initially, which is what you have to do at Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. You have to make the first guy miss. Keyshawn Vaughn, Ralph Webb, Zach Stacey, they were all so damn good at that. Yeah. And, and impact- Rocco Griffin, it, for what, not that he's a bad back or I don't think he can be a rotational guy. He just doesn't have that same mm-hmm. ability to make guys miss an explosive playmaking ability after he can make the first guy miss. Right. And so Patrick Smith is something that I can take from this game, even though I wouldn't call it a takeaway. Yeah. It's a positive that I took out of Kentucky. That I don't that I don't think that there's a lot of positives to pull. Out no, and, and it and it kind of brings you back to Will the evaluation, the talent evaluation on offense. And Patrick Smith is a guy that you know why wasn't he playing earlier? Even with Ramon Davis, you know, and and you know we'll kind of talk about that, especially with Amira Bir Ramon. But let's get to our three main takeaways here. And Will, this of course it's been tough all year. You know, I think after. After the Colorado State win, after some of the UConn wins, you know, we had some some positives there, but even we still had negatives and a lot of the same negatives that we have still today. So number one, Will, I'm going to, we talked about Amir Abdurrahman. He's going to be my first key, uh, main takeaway. And it's not, again, this is my only positive uh, out of the key, out of the takeaways, but I talked about it earlier before the Kentucky game, he had two catches for nine yards against Kentucky, him and seals. They found some rhythm early and he ultimately finished with seven catches, 65 yards, seven catches were his career high, his touchdown. That was his first touchdown since 2020 back in September 26th um, of, of last season. And after the game, Coach Lee was asked about why he hadn't been on the field before the Kentucky game, and he said it took him some time to adjust to the new standards of the program on and off the field. So it's, it will, 
it's interesting hearing that because what I'm realizing about this team is that Clark isn't giving any free passes and you know he does it doesn't matter from his point of view it's it right now at, at least what I've gathered is that it doesn't matter what you did as a player last season if you're not reaching the standard he's set you're not going to see time in the field but for this season will you know what what at what point do you throw some of that out the window and, and at least go out there and do your best to try to go win games and you know, you've got to believe Coach Lee, he's had some tough conversations with players this season and seeing this situation with Amir, that points to the larger issue, which we've talked about, Will, of stripping these players of everything Coach Mason had ingrained into them. And for some guys like Davion Davis, he probably jumped onto the Clark Lee, Clark Lee bandwagon really quickly and maybe even some other guys like Ramon Davis and heck, I think Mike Wright has too. But there's other guys like Ricky Wright and Amir Abdurrahman who are slowly trying to regain their their confidence and and, you know, I guess, understanding of what Coach Lee wants from them. So, you know, we can agree or disagree with what Coach Lee is saying, but I think a lot of this revolves around him still and, and nearly the impossible job of stripping everything they've learned from from Coach Mason and what he ingrained to them. So I know there's going to be a lot of people that that look at that and say, you know, that's ridiculous and, and that, you know, that that's there's not, that's no excuse for that. Um, you know, but at the at the end of the day, Amir Abdurrahman is up there with the best, most talented guys on this team. And there's a lot of fans out there saying, why isn't he on the field? And I think they have legitimate cases for that. I mean, he only had two catches for nine yards before the Kentucky game. So for for me, Will, it's it's the siding of him and seeing, OK, he's still talented. He's a guy that can make plays. So number one, Amir, Amir Abdurrahman, as tough as it is to see the, the positives out of this game, He's going to be my number one positive, and uh, you know we're we're, we're going to get to some more negatives here, but but that's my first one. Yeah, it's crazy. You spun that as a positive. Uh, that's actually <laughs> listed on my key takeaways. I'm going to get into that at number two. That's actually a negative for me. I've been on you. You'll. I'm on. I'm. I'm on recorded uh, takes here on the door report that I've been talking about Amir Abdurrahman since the beginning of the season yeah. and asking why the hell he's not on the field, and. I, I'm not going to get into that until my take two. So I'm just going to go ahead and get into my, my take <laughs> one, my takeaway one, which is Mike Wright is the starter and what the hell Clark. Um, because I, I understand the idea of not taking a guy's spot away that law was not on the field due to injury, which is mm -hmm. what happened to Ken Seals. He was the starter. He wasn't playing well. He got injured. And then he's come back from the injury. I understand putting him out there. I can see why Clark Lee did that trying to set the precedent in an already lost season that if you get hurt, be honest about it. Don't try to hide it. Your right. spot is going to be waiting on you. You will at least have a chance mm -hmm. to come back, perform well, and maintain your starting spot. That being said, this game answered all the questions that we needed answered. And, I, and I'm trying to say this because we were both on the Ken Seals train to start yeah. this season. Yeah. We both were in agreement that he should be the starter on this roster. Yeah. But Mike Wright, right now is playing head and shoulders above Ken Seal. Yeah. And that's it. That's as objectively that's, as I can put it. Common sense. And his I mean, overall no. season stats, and not even talking just about this Kentucky game that we can go into, that this offense put up three points in the entire first half. Mike Wright comes in, immediately takes them down on two long touchdown drives mm -hmm. and throws two touchdown passes in the red zone to score 14 points in that half after they were unable to do anything on offense in the first half. You can look at the stats on overall now, Mike Wright's played two and a half full games and Ken Seals has played as well. Mike Wright's passer rating is better. Uh, his completion rate is right at near the same. His mm -hmm. touchdown to interception ratio is better. He's taken less sack yards lost because he's a mobile quarterback. Um, when you look at the stats, Mike Wright, 55 of 100 for 603 yards, a 55% uh, 
uh, pass completion percentage. He's averaging six yards um, per attempt there. He's also got a long of 61 yards, seven touchdowns, four picks. He's got a passer rating of 120.8. Mm-hmm. Ken Seals, 126 uh, pass completions, 223 attempts for 1,173 yards, a 56.5% completion percentage, pretty comparable to Mike Wright. Yeah. His average yards per attempt, less than Mike Wright's, 5.3 yards per attempt, which is pretty mind. I didn't expect to see that when right. I was looking through the yeah. stats. And Ken Seals has thrown five touchdowns, eight interceptions, and nearly taken the same amount of sacks. He's taken 12 sacks while Mike Wright has taken 11. But Ken Seals' sack yards lost is 95 versus Mike Wright's 56. Mm-hmm. So when Ken Seals is getting sacks, he's crumpling. When mm-hmm. Mike Wright is getting sacked, he's making one guy miss and falling forward. Right. And the difference in a two or three yard sack versus a six yard sack to this offense, their lack of playmakers is pretty huge. And actually, the best quarterback on this roster, just based on passer rating, Billy, is Cam Johnson. The dude's got <laughs> three, he's got a 310 passer rating. Dude's one for one, 100% completion. Cam Johnson for quarterback. For 25. That play, <laughs> by the way. Shout out to Joey Lynch. That play was gorgeous. Great Even play, play. Pass wasn't, Great play yeah, pa- Yes. you got to give credit where credit's due. That, and the, ca- the cameraman the ca- didn't It fooled the cameraman. It fooled the announcers. It fooled me. I had no idea where that ball was. And Cam Johnson, that was the best pass, my guy. But it but it got the job done. And, and it was at least exciting to see them try to throw in those wrinkles a little bit and yeah. utilize somebody like Cam. Yeah, we, we've been athlete. talking about that. Yeah. And so that's my key number one takeaway. We kind of got off into yeah. that. But my key number one takeaway is I'm going to be very, 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 very upset if Mike Wright is not the starter, especially with the offenses they are facing and the high-powered, up-tempo offenses yeah. of Ole Miss and Tennessee. Ball control, and I hate time of possession. I hate it. I hate you the hate stat. that stat. But controlling <laughs> the ball is going to be huge, and not losing by a hundred to both of these teams in the next two weeks. And Mike Wright gives you the best chance to control that it's ball. It's going to be big. And well, we've talked a lot about which quarterback gives you the best chance to win. I don't think we can say either of them do right now. But Mike, Mike Wright, Wright, Mike Wright, he, I mean, he almost beat South Carolina. He played that entire game. Against Missouri, he played that entire game, and they were – I mean, they had a chance to win that one. So well, I think my opinion, my, opinion oh, has, my opinion has shifted, and it, both of ours have, I think. You know, at the, five, four or five weeks ago, I think we were saying the total opposite. But with this team, Mike Wright can go out there – now he can't go out there and beat an Ole Miss or a Tennessee, and I, I think we can agree on that. But he can go out there and beat and win you a game against South Carolina or, or Missouri. Heck, even Kentucky, if he was out there for the whole first half, who knows? Who knows what could have happened there? So, Will, our opinions have shifted, and I think many fans' opinions have shifted. Um, but at this point, if Mike Wright isn't playing, you know, more than Ken Seals, I think there, there's some reasons for concern. And opinions change. <laughs> you know, like our, our opinion of this quarterback situation has changed a lot. So, uh, before I get to my second one, did you have anything to add there? Um, I, I know – I was just going to say the main the main things that we had that were – concerns with having Mike Wright be the starter versus Ken Seals and a lot of fans arguments in favor of Ken Seals we bought into which are Ken Seals what he did last year yeah in shorts and t-shirt out there seven on seven Ken Seals has an NFL arm Mm -hmm. now can he execute that in game that's the question and Mike Wright he has a pretty good arm but he doesn't have an NFL arm he's not going to hit the 20 yard deep out or 18 yard deep comeback on a dime but that argument from the perspective takes into account that the quarterback with the NFL arm is making those throws. And Ken Seals right now is not making those throws and he's not making quick decisions and he's throwing the ball poorly. And he doesn't have the ability that Mike Wright has. That's always going to be there. 
to scramble and run the ball. Mm -hmm. So I, I just think with this team right now, with where this offensive line is and how Ken Seals is playing that was the presumed starter and did start beginning of the year, that it's just time to hand the keys to Mike Wright these last two games. You're two and eight. You're about to be going and playing Ole Miss, who's number 15 in the country. And then you're going to play a five and five, probably six and five at that point, Tennessee team. that's looking really, really, really good. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just time to say, let's see what Mike Wright can do. And then we go into this offseason and then you can start really evaluating and see if right. either if both these guys are on the roster next year, that's yeah. going to be a real question. Yeah. And we'll, we'll do a lot more talking about quarterback situation next season, where they need to go in the, on the recruiting mm -hmm. trail, where they need to go in the transfer portal. But <clears throat> we've got a couple more keys here to get to, Will. And I'm going to go to my second. And my headline here says the offense hasn't really improved. And we've looked at this offense the entire season and tried to find some sort of improvement. And I think, again, you know, the first three, four games of the season, you saw some slight improvement. But against these, the, the meat of your SEC schedule, there hasn't been much improvement at all. And going through some of their stats, well, it's kind of crazy to look at. 96 rushing yards against Kentucky, 170 pass yards, 290 available right now. They're averaging 297 total yards per game. That's last in the SEC by a very wide margin. 182 passing yards per game, last in the SEC by a lot. 115 rushing yards per game, 11th in the SEC, ahead of only LSU and Mississippi State. And Wilders, this offense right now is averaging 15 points per game. That's last in the SEC by a wide margin. You're, gonna, you're not going to beat any SEC team with those numbers. Now, the crazy thing about this team right now is they could have beaten South Carolina. I think if they if they if they made yeah. if they made less mistakes against Missouri, they very well could have beat Missouri. So you know we talk about the margin between those teams. I don't think it's as big as we think it is. But right now, this offense is just they're handcuffing themselves, and you're you're just not going to beat many teams, let alone in the SEC with those numbers. So we, we like to talk about baby steps forward, will, but. The bottom line is they have not improved, and they've got you know they, they've sort of stagnated, if not gotten worse here in the SEC play. And will I look at right now? What does this offense need? I think two key things are needed with this offense. Number one, a new offensive coordinator who has proven success and a quarterback that fits his scheme. And I don't know, you know, there's definitely other, other issues. They could, could use a couple more O-linemen. I think you could use maybe a weapon, another weapon or two. Of course, a healthy Ramon Davis. But right now, Will, Ken Seals and Mike Wright, both of them, you can say, and we like to talk about Mike Wright getting the job done, but they, both of them have not gotten the job done. And yes, I'm sure it's been tough with the shakeup at the offensive coordinator spot to begin the season, but there comes a point in time, Will, where you got to go out there and just play some backyard football. I mean, we see high school football nowadays with some of these quarterbacks. If you, you know, I don't know how much high school football you're watching, but I've been able to watch some, um, some throughout, throughout this season. And, and there's guys out there just making plays. I know high school level is a lot different, but I think there's some quarterbacks out there locally and whether that's around the country that just like to play the game and they want to go out there, use their legs and make plays. And I'll say this, Mike Wright has done that at times this season, but I don't think he's the answer at that position in the future. I just don't think so. Now, Drew Dickey, Will, is the lone quarterback commit in the 2022 class. He looks talented. Um, you know, you may see Coach Coach Lee try to attack the transfer portal at quarterback or, you know, or else if they're not able to get another guy in, you could see more of the same with Mike Wright and Ken Seals next season. Now, there's a lot to talk about with some who might transfer or who, who might stay. But right now, Will, neither of these guys, I, I, I would highly doubt you see either of these guys playing a ton next season. Now, Mike Wright, you know, who knows what happens with him and, and with this program. But 
right now the bottom line is this the quarterbacks are not getting it done the offense is not getting it done and we'd like to talk about improvement but this offense is not improved so that that's my second key main takeaway uh, from this game well billy i'm gonna have to make a few comments before we move on because you made some pretty bold statements there you, you had some hot Mike, takes this go around you gotten some hot um, takes yeah I, on the other hand, do believe Mike Wright can be the guy because okay. we have not seen him go through an offseason because they did the mirage of this was a quarterback battle. But everything you read was this team is Ken Seals is taking like 90 percent of the of the number one reps. Mike Wright's rotating in. But Ken Seals, is, we didn't even really have questions going in no, following no. closely. We were confident. so if, if we didn't have questions of who was going to end up being the starter, the team knew. Who was, who was going to end up being the starter. And the offense was built for Ken Seals. It was not built for Mike Wright. They're finally implementing some RPO type things. But Mike Wright has only played two and a half games. And the dude is has more touchdowns than Ken Seals. He's the number two rusher on this team, including the sack yards, which are counted into in college football. Mm -hmm. He would be the number one rusher on this team. He's averaging the most yards per attempt on the whole team. He's the only once he came in, they've had what three plays of over 60 yards and they had zero before that. And I think the entire country, the the leader in 60 plus yard plays is mm -hmm. like six or seven. So if we can get an offense implemented, if Joey, whether it's Joey Lynch or a new staff that really utilizes what Mike Wright can do, because I think that he doesn't get. He has not been given a fair shake. No. I don't think that – it's so hard to say, okay, we're going to take this quarterback with a completely different skill set, but he's not a pocket passer whatsoever. He's got a pretty decent arm, but he's not a pocket passer. And we're just going to plug him into this offense that was built for a guy that is a real pocket passer. And the part with Ken Seals that has been so weird to watch is Seals coming in was not a statue. That's something we were a little excited about last year. He could it's run not a little that bit. He had, it's not that he was a scrambler by any stretch of the imagination, but he certainly wasn't Kyle Shermer standing back there. He wasn't a statue. And this year, I feel as good as Kyle Shermer was, I think he would admit he was a statue. Still love him. Um, but for some reason this year, all of a sudden, Ken Seals looks like a statue back there. Um, and this is going to get in. You touched on the offense averaging 15 points a game. They're 128th out of 113 in the country. I'm um, averaging that 15.1. And I want everyone – I know that sounds bad, and we're like last in SEC, almost last in FBS, and the offense is really bad. And everybody's like, yeah, we know, the offense sucks. And I'm like, okay, but, like, take one step back, and let's look at the best defenses in the country. If Vanderbilt's averaging 15.1 points per game, how good does this defense have to be on average for Vanderbilt to win games? Well, let me tell you, Billy, there are two defenses that you could put on the other side of that offense, and this team could still win. I bet you can name one of them. And it's Georgia, who's yep. giving up seven points per game, 7.6. There is one other defense that is giving up less mm. than 15.1 points per game. Are they it's in Wisconsin. the SEC? Wisconsin. Okay. It's Wisconsin giving up 14.6. No other defense in the country is giving up less than 15.1 points per game. Mm -hmm. So this offense is just, we can talk about the defense and whatever issues. This team cannot win with this offense right and, and I, so that's what i want to touch on is like you yeah. can make criticisms of what the defense is giving up but it's hard to not be demoralized when you're like we have to perform as literally the best defense in the country 
or we have zero chance of right. winning. That's I'm, a pretty hard mindset to go into every single game. I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting Mike Wright out of the equation for next season. I, I still think he, you know, he could be the guy next season. I'm just saying, you know, with this offense, they, the, my number one need was a new offensive coordinator, you know, and, and, and if they don't change the offense, my, oh, how, I'm not how much saying, success I'm not can saying that I'm not saying Mike Wright is the guy. I just right. think he has, he has, Ken Seals has been given a fair shake at this point. Yes. He's, Played a season and a half. Mike Wright has yeah. Mike Wright hasn't. We haven't right. seen Mike Jeff. Right. All right, here and we go. Second key. Pretty decent. Yeah, we need to move. Sorry, this is a long one. I haven't been on here in a while. We really have a lot of opinions to get out there. <laughs> Number two is going to pretty much be what we were just talking about. The staff's talent evaluation has been mm-hmm. questionable, uh, to be kind, to especially in offense. Um, and that was a big concern, bringing in a defensive-minded head coach with young, inexperienced coordinators surrounding him is – how good are they going to be at evaluating this talent? Mm-hmm. And I hate what Clark Lee came out and said about Amir Abdurrahman because I want specifics. Was he not making grades? Was he showing up late? Was he not coming to meetings? That's one thing. Bench his ass. If that's the case, come out and say he had trouble off the field and he couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me it wasn't. It was on the field lack of performance in practice because shut up. Because that dude was a productive and has been a productive receiver since he was a freshman in SEC game, making big plays when it mattered. And you have young guys out there that are struggling to get open, struggling to catch the ball. And you have him sitting on the sideline the entire season, which I've been discussing repeatedly. I don't understand why he's sitting behind there. I think Will Shepard can be a good receiver in the future, but right now Amir Abdurrahman is better. And I never okay. understood why he wasn't out. He is. I mean, he, not, nothing against Will Shepard. And absolutely nothing against him. Who, 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 has, putting, who has a si- higher ceiling? You think, you think uh, Shepard? Well, or? obviously Shepard does because he's a sophomore and Ramon's a senior. Or Ramon's okay. a senior. So obviously Will Shepard has a higher upside. But this season, talking talent, there's no way Amir Abdurrahman should be buried yeah, in and, that and depth we don't, chart. We don't, we don't know what, what was But what it does, exactly. There. So that's why it's not just him. It's that they also watched week in, week out, and put Rocco Griffin ahead of Patrick Smith. Mm-hmm. And clearly Patrick Smith, more talented. And it also is going to blow your mind, Billy. I know it's been injuries. But Amir Abdurrahman, after that game against Kentucky, now has more receiving yardage on the year. And I believe the same number or more receptions. Let me check. Yeah, more receptions and more yardage than Ben Bresnan on the season. Wow. Uh, wow. Which is something – and I know there's My been mind injuries, is but I think we, bo- we both expected Ben Bresnan to be very to involved be a in big, offense, To be so. a weapon, yeah. So, A, the talent evaluation going from Mike Wright versus Ken Seals to Patrick Smith versus Rocco Griffin. Granted, that was a backup running back competition. Mm. They probably didn't expect that to be so prevalent. No. And number three, the re- just the receivers in general and him not being on the field. Amir Abdurrahman, in my opinion, based on what I'd seen in previous years, we hadn't really seen Shepard. We saw him for the first time this year. Mm. Chris Pierce looked pretty good last year, and he's looked pretty decent this year. Amir Abdurrahman, in my opinion, is the best receiver on the roster. And dude's not even st- – I've always been a huge fan You're of big since Amir made, Abdurrahman since, guy. Since he made the one-hand catch, and I saw that in person <laughs> against Tennessee, I have been a huge fan. Like, this guy's a, this guy's a game changer. He's a yeah, he's different a talent level. And he's and he's quick. He he's not necessarily a crisp route runner. But he made he made body. some physical catches uh, against. I, Kentucky. Yeah, and and I think it's hard. It's it's hard when you repeatedly see these que- the decisions that were the tightest decisions on the offensive side of the ball and the places where we had questions about playing time, whether we agreed or disagreed. There was debate going on, and every single one of them you've missed, and every yeah. single one of them the the guy you didn't choose has come out and he's performed better than the guy that you had above them. I mean, Patrick Smith is averaging. 4.4 yards per carry. Rocco mm-hmm. Griffin's averaging 3.3 yards per carry. Right. There you go. Yeah, Will Shepard leads, leads the SEC in drops. And then you have Amir Abdurrahman come out there and just 
unguardable even by that talented Kentucky defense so it's very disheartening to see the evaluation process that they've undergone and I've been a little bit disappointed they've made the wrong decision yeah I couldn't agree more I mean there's there's a lot of guys out there that that you know could have made some early impact but we didn't see them we didn't see uh, much of them so well with my number three key though I'm going to go defensively Um, and again I like the idea of us not looking at our keys because it gives us a little gives us a little fire here Um, but I'm going to go with the cornerback position And, well, the corners are going to be a huge priority. I don't want to say they're the biggest priority, but because there's so many priorities with this team, but I think corners are a huge priority in recruiting and on the, and on in the transfer portal on the office. It's like when we did the the basketball preview, Billy. It's like a huge priority. A it's, like our X factor. it's like our <laughs> X factors in basketball. It's like every damn position is an X factor. Every, every player other than Scotty Pippen Jr. is an X factor. Exactly. <laughs> but well, with the corners that are on this roster, Jesse Minner has been forced to put these corners in cushion coverage because there's not a single corner on this team that has the size and the physicality to press up against big time SEC receivers. Last guy we saw that could do that at Vanderbilt was Jawan Williams. He was able to do that. You could say Trey Herndon was able to do that some as well. And one of coach Lee's top priorities will, and I'll keep saying this is going to bring it is going to be bringing in big, long physical corners who can compete with SEC receivers on the outside. I mean, you saw it, it, you saw it against Kentucky. Wandale Robinson was making it look easy on Saturday night, six catches, 75 yards and a touchdown. You could say this at every position on the defense right now, right now, Will, after watching the Kentucky game, but the corner position came to my mind. And because they were, I mean, teams have been just looking at that position and saying, hey, we'll run a quick 10-yard stop route, get a first down, and keep doing that. And then we'll run a deep post and beat your guy with speed. So right now, there's only one cornerback commit in the 2022 class. I think that's concerning. Uh, Quantavis Gaskins, it looks like a, he can be a big-time talent. He's pretty big. I think he's at 6'2", got good size. But looking back, Will, the Caleb Coley decommit was massive. I mean, that, that guy was going to come in and start probably. So you got to imagine Gumbo Gaskins, best name ever, by the way, will get yep. plenty, plenty of opportunities to play next season. And who knows, some of these guys like Tyson Russell and some of these younger kids, may have, they're going to have to step, step up as well. And as good as Jalen Mahoney has played this year, he doesn't have that size to, to come up on the line and press guys, and he's a great player. Um, but will they just need depth there at that position, just like every other position on this team? Um, you could say that I, I think, you know, you could argue this corner position is most needed uh, because coming into the recruiting trail, you got Darren Agu, line of sunk guys on the defensive line that can come in and help. Now you lost a few guys there too. And, uh, but will I, the corner position just jumped out to me against Kentucky and they, they need, they got to be more physical. They got to find more physical guys to go up there and body up and play physical and play against these SEC receivers and challenge them at the line of scrimmage. If you can't do that, you're going to get picked apart. And, and that's what they've been, uh, offenses have been doing with them. So uh, for me, Will, number number three is the cornerback position. And, and you could say that again with the D-line. You could say that with the linebackers. Uh, but they, they jumped out to me against Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, your, your key is just a more specific version of yeah. my third key, it looks, which is my third key is just this team has – very, 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 very few positions on this roster that you go into next year saying that can be a strength and we need mm-hmm. to improve these positions. Usually you want to say that maybe you have two or three positions on both sides of the ball that you're trying to fix going into the next year. Mm-hmm. Well, this team maybe has one or two positions that you're like, all right, we're pretty set. Mm-hmm. And I think those positions, and, and this is right, what I wanted to back. go through with you, Billy, is running back. I think Ramon Davis and Patrick Smith and Rocco Griffin. I think that's it, unless Rocco transfers. It's just that. Having a little bit of depth, that's a pretty solid spot. I'm feeling pretty good. I don't feel like that's a 
priority and fixing. And then receivers. I mean, maybe maybe, I might go receivers. It's tough. It's tough to go that maybe, but you definitely, you definitely need some more talent there. And likely you're going to have Pierce and Johnson gone is my assumption. And you're just going to have Shepard and maybe maybe Devin body you can put in there. I mean, it may be safety, but there's just nowhere on this roster that you say, okay, we just need to fix here and that can improve us next season. So my third key is big like <laughs> Joe. Mama. But this team has a few pieces, but this isn't going to be fixed by next season. And basically what, what the re- sad reality, which is why it's hard for me to get as excited about discussing these recaps, the sad reality is this team is going to be lucky to win three games next year. And I'm, I'm with you. I mean, it's, it's hard to say that. And I don't want to put a damper on any fans. I'm not saying I'm not going to be there in the stadium next year. I mm. will. But my expectations are going to be pretty much a two and 10, three and nine season, four and eight best case. There's just nowhere that I see to build on. There's nothing that I see this year that I'm like, OK, the defense is really good. We just got to get a quarterback in there. The O-line yeah. is going to get older. I just don't see that. And not and, to say that that not to say that one player coming in could change that though. I mean, they get a no. guy in the transfer portal that maybe a big time recruit, but at the same time, see, I just who, don't. Who knows I how think much there's of an impact so many. That's exactly what my key three is. Is I don't see even if they got three massive transfers in at three different Still positions, don't I don't see it. I don't see that this team. There's so many holes, on yeah. it, and we have a train yeah. coming by here, Billy. So all right, I'll take it over. Uh, but well, I'm totally with you. I mean, it's it's hard to see, but that's why that's part of this plan. I think year three is the year where you look at and say, okay, he's got two class recruiting classes in. Who knows what kind of transfers they bring in? I think year three is the year where you're looking at not a six wins, but you're looking at on the verge of that, maybe four or five wins, and you're seeing improvement. But next season, will I think is still a year where you got to see, you know, you got to see some substantial improvement. And what does that mean? I think right now, will we're we're looking at what we see game by game. We're not looking at records. I know it, it's hard saying that, but with where this team is in this culture right now you got to look at the eye test you know and and you got to look you know you talk you can talk about culture and you can talk about changing what what's been going on with with Derek Mason and with these players but i think the eye test is is what how we're judging this team right now there's really no other way to do it i mean yeah. it's it's so hard to do it with wins i mean we talked about that at the beginning of the year um you know we've been judging this team you know we've been talking about these wins and and these losses but you know, it's just so tough to do that with, you know, without using the eye test. And I think that's the way, we, you know, we're going to be doing it. Yeah. And I think that the the most frustrating part is it's the same exact thing we went through with Stackhouse is this is the first year that we can mm-hmm. recap and we're about to get in. So great segue here. By oh, yeah. Billy. Great, think, yeah give, me right gold, give me a gold, gold star. star. <laughs> but it's the same thing is this is going to be something again next year. We're going to go in and say this team's not going to be judged based on wins and losses again. And we said the same thing with Stackhouse. Before, Can't keep saying that. Is, yeah. is, is Stackhouse finally this year, you can have some expectations in the win column. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can actually, now is it going to be a harsh judgment pending these injuries? Maybe, we'll see. Yeah. But football, next year going in, we know all offseason, we're going to be saying the same thing. Wins and losses are not going to be the judgment mm-hmm. because this isn't going to be fixed. Now, if year three, now, then it's time to judge because right. then it's like, okay, if you haven't made an improvement, you're going into year three and we're not even looking and saying we're going to evaluate based on the You've record, got a problem. then we have a problem and then you're on the hot seat year four. Mm-hmm. But that being said, Stackhouse year three, this has clearly been a big jump that we're about mm-hmm. to get into. I know they haven't played the most talented teams in the world, but it's obvious. I was there in person. 
This is a Division One SEC basketball team. Yep, it is. For the first time in probably four years um, that we have seen a team that I watched on Feels that court. Good. And they played two mid-major level teams. And I think they could have played those mid-major level teams 100 times. They would have won 99 of them. And that's that's a reality that we have not mm-hmm. seen on the court yeah. in a lot in four years. Yeah, you haven't seen it a whole lot on the gridiron. You haven't seen it a whole lot on the court. But now with basketball, you're starting to see it in year three. Will you see it in football year three? That's the question. But, Will, that, that does it for football. Again, Ole Miss next week. We'll get into that uh, a little bit later. But I think they're a 36, 36-and-a-half-point underdog, I think, in that one right now. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the week. But, Will, let's get to basketball. And I'm excited because, we um, again, we, we previewed. We did a lot of previewing. We did a lot of X factor talking, but now let's talk about this. Uh, well, I mean, you know, we could touch on that first game, but mainly the Texas state game, because I think we learned more about this team in that Texas state game. Mm-hmm. Vandy beat Texas state by 19, 79 to 60 Texas state made it really close there in the second half. I think Vanderbilt won a, on a, a seven minute scoring drought. Uh, they, they threw Texas state threw a zone on Vanderbilt and, you know, they had a few problems with it, but well, it was the Jordan and Pippen show. Where have you heard that before? Uh, I mean, th- yeah. th- those two guys, th- those two guys right there are this team right now, at least. Now, when Chapman steps in, when Robin steps in, you're going to see some differences. But Scotty Pippen Jr., 30 points. He was 50% from three point, four for eight. He took over down the stretch. He, he, he looks like he's in the best shape of his life. Same with Jordan Wright. Those guys really worked in the offseason. You can tell. Uh, Pippen played 34 minutes. He, after the game, he said he could play 40. Uh, so that's, that's pretty damn encouraging for Vandy fans there. But will Jordan Wright also 16 points? Uh, he played 30 minutes. So when you're getting Pippen and Wright playing 30 minutes, I think you're going to win a, a decent amount of games, even in the SEC. Like those two guys are legit SEC guards. And watch out for Jordan Wright, Will. He looks even better than I thought. I, you know, he, he could be jumping off some, some NBA draft boards. I'm not going to say he's going to get drafted, but you could see him maybe sign a free agent deal maybe and be in the G League next season. I'm not even kidding. Um, but I was also impressed with Miles Studi, 12 points. He shot the ball well. Oh, a, I'd be shocked if Jordan Wright's gone, my guy. He's, he's only a junior, and he's got two years of eligibility. I mean, I'd be pretty shocked. Who, who knows? I, I would still say he comes back. But even after this season, he there could be a decision to make there. Um, true. But Quentin Malore Brown, he played well in the paint. I mean, he it seems like he's made a jump. Seven rebounds. There are six rebounds down there. Uh, so will I? They look good, and, and and it's it's different. I think this is different than last year. I know there's only two games, but I think we saw last season they even it took them more time, and they struggled a little bit with some of these non-conference teams. VCU is going to be a good test uh, tomorrow night. I'm excited to watch that one, but. Um, well, this is it's it, it, these are good signs. And, and you saw this team be able to come back after that adversity of not scoring in seven minutes. But they've got dudes like Jordan Wright and Scottie Pippen to just kind of take over. So uh, I would say one word to describe this team right now is encouraging. And, you know, there's not much, you know, th- there's there's still a lot to figure out about this team, you know, with a lot of that young depth they have. But but uh, but they, they're looking good right now. Yeah, this I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, Billy. And I, I, I think it's just because I, I'm a massive, massive basketball fan when they and I'm a massive fan when they suck, when they're good. Basketball is my sport. That's what I grew mm-hmm. up playing. Um, so I'm drinking the Kool-Aid right now. The one thing before I get into the positives from these takeaways is it was exposed during the Texas State game, who's a better team than Alabama State Vanderbilt was only a seven and a half point favorite. Uh, against Texas State, mm. as opposed to they were a 28 and a half point favorite yes. against Alabama State. So significant difference in competition right. level in Vegas's eyes. And they struggled to rebound. Um, mm. Granted, they were playing a zone a decent amount of the game and, and doing some different things, but this team needs Liam Robbins back. They, do. Mar- they do. I keep, okay, first off, I want to say Quentin apologies to Melora Quentin Melora. Brown. 
Brown. Melora. I was talking to my dad about this when we were at the game. I said, I don't know why. I know his name is Melora Brown. <laughs> when I talk, Marilla Brown comes out so much Marilla. more smoothly. So suggestion <laughs> to you, QMB, if you want to switch up that last name, I think Marilla <laughs> sounds better than Melora, but apologies Melora, for mispronouncing that. <laughs> yeah, and I want to say that Jordan Wright clearly worked his ass off this offseason. Yep. He's changed his, his body, looks completely different. He's way more explosive. His shooting is still good. I, we said X factors going in and we listed off a lot. Um, Robin's needing to come back, but our main point overarching of why we had so many X factors is we don't know. And exactly. we need two guys to consistently night in, night out, get in double digits on top uh, and Pippen also score in the twenties mm-hmm. every game. And right now it's been Jordan, Jordan Wright and Miles Studi have both performed well. And Miles Studi has shot the lights out yes. and him stepping up is something that we said was a major key because we didn't see a lot out of him last year. Jordan Wright, we saw a jump up in level, and we're seeing a jump up again. Um, Scottie Pippen's going to be there week in, week out. So right now, Miles Studi and Jordan Wright. And also, mm-hmm. if you go back to that Alabama State game, it's kind of Jermaine Mann was he's a, he's that unreal. Dude. I mean, unreal. He and played, then, he played the five-some. <laughs> yeah, and then, he, and then he comes into that Texas State game, and he only played 10 minutes, two points, four fouls, didn't yeah. really contribute that much. So – I think you're going to see a lot of that. I think you're going yeah. to see a lot early, especially. Mixing and matching. And to, to me, the injury to Robbins is the one that they just have to have because mm-hmm. if they don't have him back, they have enough guards um, that I think they can overcome the other injury. Yeah. But I think the Robbins side, there's not a lot of depth at that big man position. You've got Taron Frank playing that five a lot of the time, and that's going to be okay in these non-con games. But when you get into the SEC, man, you're going to have to have somebody else there outside of QMB mm-hmm. because he's not a scorer. He's not extremely athletic. He's a big body. He'll get mm-hmm. down there and bang around. But you need someone else that will get mm-hmm. down there and is a big body and will bang around. And Robbins makes uh, Quentin Melora Brown there look very small. I saw him standing next to him on the sidelines. Pretty crazy to see Melora Brown, who's easily 6'10". And Liam Robbins just towers over. He's a beast. So, and granted, I don't know if we're going to see him this year, and that's the problem. Is we don't if foot injuries with these bigs is tough, man. Yeah, it's tough. So it, that, but, well, that, but Shane Dezoni, the four star, mm-hmm. I want to get his name out there too. He's not going to be a guy that's going to jump out of the box score. He's going to have a couple games this year. He'll play well. He's not going to get consistent playing time. But that dude was the number ninety-eight national player in the country, mm-hmm. and seeing him in person, that four-star talent you is different. It. It is different. It's just different. How he handles the ball and how he moves around the court and his athleticism as a true freshman, 18 years old, is just different than the other talent that we've seen. And so just seeing him come in, and then if you've seen the highlights of Shelby, Dort, Colin Smith, man. Noah Noah Shelby's lighting it up. Stack, Coach Stack, the Stack era, we back Stack. He's got me drinking the Kool-Aid again, Billy. And it's it's nice to finally be drinking the Kool-Aid somewhere. Yeah, it is. It is. And, well, Liam Robbins, I want to get to him, too. He's going to – when he's back, hopefully if he does come back, he's going to take this team to another level because they like you just said they they need a guy like that. Malora Brown can fill that gap up until SEC play. Yep. But once you get Robbins back, you know, that that's going to be that's going to be a difference maker. And and other guys like Tyron Lawrence, I think with this team will we we forget a few guys, but guys like Tyron Lawrence and even Peyton Daniels, there's a lot of potential there. Like like those those guys are are dudes that are athletic. Peyton Daniels made a few plays. Um, and, and you even saw Gabe Dorsey get in there a little bit there at the end. So you can see this Stackhouse foundation that he's building. And once you get those three four stars in next season, and even Malik Dia, boy, you're seeing some depth. So, but Will, right now with this team, you know what what has changed with you? Has anything like like you know looking at right now for me? 
I, I look at the depth because I, I look at a lot of those younger guys. I'm not going to say they can come into SEC games and make a huge impact, but I think they can come in, play some defense and, and be athletic. Like this, this team is, is three times more athletic than they were last season because yeah. of that depth. So, well, I mean, VCU is going to be a good test. The, VCU uh, is the second out of three teams in the non-conference games that were SEC turn that were NCAA tournament teams last season, Texas States, and they're not a bad team at all. And, and it's said in the Vegas line, Vanderbilt beat them by 19, you know? So this team that they, they're beating like Texas state, that was a, a good challenge, but VCU is a little bit better. Um, so, well, I guess what I would ask is, is has, has what you've seen so far in these two games change anything that you thought uh, you knew about this team? A lot. I mean, the, the main thing is, I think that a lot of the question marks, not that they're going to come out and make the SEC tur- or make the NCAA tournament or anything like that, or right. they're going to come out and win 25 games. So take all of this. I, I don't want this to get taken out of context that I mm-hmm. think that they're jumping up to being a four seed. That's not, right. not anything in my mind. But this team answered the questions that we had of who is going to be number two, who is going to be number three when in Robin's absence. And mm-hmm. Jordan Wright has come out and shown me he is that dude. He is the Robin is. to Pippen Jr.'s Batman. Yeah, and Pippen it. and Jordan, I love the combo. It's flipped how it worked out in the NBA. <laughs> but Pippen and Jordan is going to be a heck of a combo because what Jordan Wright is letting Pippen do is you can't just shift all your help over to Pippen. And we used to call it uh, red in that if you're guarding Scottie Pippen, you do not help. You are on him. You mm-hmm. have no help responsibilities. You have no shift over responsibilities. And that's what Texas State did. And that's why Pippen early struggled to get open. And that's why Studi was so open. There's a specific shot right. Studi hit in the corner where they passed it out to him. He Extra had a guy. Nice. The, the man guarding him was like, I don't know, eight feet away from him. And the guy mm-hmm. guarding Pippen, Pippen was a couple feet away. And the guy didn't even leave Pippen whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And that is what Pippen allows you mm-hmm. to do is get these other guys open. And until they shift their coverage, which they are going to be forced to, you saw yeah. it happen at the end of the game when Pippen got loose and started going off, Yeah, is you just need guys that can get in the back of the minds of opposing teams just enough to say, we can't just focus on Scott. Exactly. Pippen. Exactly. And actually the main thing with this team that has really changed is just the attitude and confidence they have out there. Pippen always had the swagger, but basketball is such a unique sport. There's no other sport that you play that is such a quick change sport in mm-hmm. that soccer is similar in the way, but it's so much of a bigger field in basketball. You miss a shot, you airball a shot and you have to run down and play defense in one second. Mm-hmm. And and Vanderbilt last season was plagued by scoring droughts. You yep. saw five, six, eight minutes were zero points, one point. And that happened against Texas State. It did. Mm-hmm. They had stretches where they only hit one field goal or they didn't score for five minutes. But the difference is you didn't feel the panic this mm-hmm. year. You didn't feel like, oh, no, here it goes again. You felt like, okay, the ball movement is kind of stagnated. Guys aren't moving around. Let's settle down. We have enough talent here. We know how to score the basketball mm-hmm. and win. We and Miles Studi, man, he is. Uh, we expected Jordan Wright to step up. All yes. right, he was the number one. He was number one. Mm-hmm. He had to step up. Miles Studi is a guy that was the bigger question mark than Jordan mm-hmm. Wright because he was completely unproven. Yeah. And if Studi can play like this throughout the season, this team's going to be dangerous because mm-hmm. at that four spot, the dude is knocked down and the no, dude has some dog in him. He is. and they have some athletes and so the confidence level on the court you can feel it you can Mm -hmm. feel it with the takeaways and and the team celebrating after these plays you just feel the energy that I wanted to feel from team one under Clark Lee (laughs) it doesn't matter if they're winning if things are going well if things are going bad 
you keep the same energy. Exactly. And that's how I felt is they hadn't scored in five minutes. They get a turnover, get a dunk, and they're sitting there flexing. After yeah. the, I love that. They have the confidence. And, man, maybe I'm just overconfident. But VCU right now I think is 119th and Ken Palmer 109, yeah, 119th. Yeah. Vanderbilt is actually up there at 71st right now Ooh. in the Ken Palm rankings. So just for some context, Belmont 67, Wichita State at that 68 spot. They're right behind Arizona State at 70. Okay. So that's obviously going to shift throughout the year. But I think that's probably where we want to see Vanderbilt in those mm-hmm. rankings at the yeah. end of the year. In the top 100, that takes you a huge step forward. And maybe we'll send out this PSA early in the year. Hey, Scotty, maybe think about staying that next year, man. I think you could make <laughs> quite a bit. You could make quite a bit of money on that NIL deal. Four-year player? Th- think about Scotty Pippen Jr., Noah Shelby, Lee Dort, Jordan Wright, Colin Smith. That's Nas- starting National five. championship. Liam Robbins. <laughs> you're d- legitimate. I'm, I'm not kidding. That team would come into that year ranked in the top 25 if Pippen we'll came see. back. So, hey. Pippen. You can make your money in the NIL, especially if you're a national contender in Nashville. So we'll go ahead. I, he probably definitely does not listen to this podcast, but that's my uh, PSA and we'll, uh, pitch to Scotty Pippen. We'll clip that and tag him on Twitter. That, that's yeah. going to be up there. <laughs> but, uh, but, Will, I, I'm, I'm totally with you. Like, there's other shot makers on this team this year. Like, Jordan Wright, if he had the ball 10 seconds left on the shot clock, I'm comfortable with him taking that shot, trying that to penetrate. Shot he hit it, that kick. shot he hit at the end of the first half against Texas State that put them up 32-27. That's the shot they don't hit last year. Yeah. I, and there's nothing that really – basketball is such an odd sport because you can – if you execute everything perfectly in football on a run play and everybody executes their block perfectly, you're going to score or you're going to gain yard and it's going to be successful. You can literally do everything perfectly in basketball and the shots just aren't falling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you can do everything perfectly on defense and the other team just knocks down a contested shot at the end of the shot clock. Yeah. And that's where I go to the confidence. Is this team, Jordan Wright, just hit a contested three. You go up 32-27. They come out. They build off that cut, They build off that momentum at the end mm-hmm. of the first half and boom, they're up 18. Yeah. And then you're like, all right. the game. They, they didn't do that last year. They didn't get hot and turn it on and put the nail and put the hammer down on these, yeah. on these inferior teams. So I'm a little fired and, up. If you and right. Tell. I love I it. I love, hey, too much basketball. I love it. Well, it's, it's your sport. And, uh, cool. but right now with this, with this team, um, there, there is 65 and a half uh, or not and a half 65%. Um, that that's according to ESPN's basketball power index, 65% chance to beat VCU. So those are some of the things you're seeing now. These they're supposed to beat these teams and you know, it'd be nice to see them dominate them and they have dominated their first you know what that game. Do you know what that game one is really? Uh, it has not been released on at least on ESPN app yet, but uh, we'll try to get that out on Twitter. Um, but some of these basketball lines are a little bit harder to find. Uh, but uh, but that'll be eight o'clock Eastern time tomorrow night. Uh, we'll both be watching and uh, we'll uh, we'll continue to talk hoops. But Will, it's it's fun, it's it's encouraging, and we'll uh, we'll continue to uh, to keep rolling on with it. But Will, before we end this episode, I got to get your thoughts on the new facility renderings. And I talked about this. I was giddy. I mean, it it was fun enough just kind of sitting there and talking about it, but. Man, looking at some of these pictures, it's hard to believe it's happening. And you're, you're seeing some of these football pictures, and you're looking at them, and you feel like you're dreaming. I mean, it's crazy to look at both end zones are going to look completely different. Um, and, and the, you know, the basketball operations facility is supposed to be one of the nicest and biggest ones in the SEC. So, boy, the future for, for basketball looks bright with stacking some of those recruits. But, Will, this is it's something new, and we needed this. I think Vandy fans needed this at this moment. There were a lot of fans on Twitter clamoring for facility upgrades and, and the announcements uh, of those renderings. 
And three or four days later, what happens? Candace Lee and Tommy McClellan, Daniel Deermeyer, everyone involved sends a massive anchor and it happens. So, you know, there's no shovels in the ground yet, Will, but just seeing this in video form and you know, I guess thinking about what the future can hold is pretty damn cool. Man, <clears throat> once again, 80 Candace Story Lee. I, I was, I keep coming on here and being like, she and apologizing to her and being like, she's exceeded my expectations. She took over the most dysfunctional Power Five athletic department prior to Malcolm Turner. It was the mm -hmm. most dysfunctional athletic department. And then Malcolm Turner came in and somehow we'd say the floor is never really the floor at Vanderbilt. And he brought him to new depths of hell um, <laughs> alongside Derek Mason. And it, Candace Story Lee has been working from the bottom. And what she has managed to accomplish in the short time no, there are no shovels in the ground, but this is happening. They've released the official render. This is happening. And the, the questions I do have, though, Billy, uh, I sit in that end zone that is oh. uh, being turned into those boxes. You might have yourself so a suite. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, really doubt. I'm not <laughs> sure where those seats are going to be or how that's going to work exactly. They switched but around a you, little bit. Yeah, on here, uh, I wrote down on our, on our notes here, do we know the timeline on construction? So, and you have written fall of 2020. I really doubt they're going to start construction in fall of 2020. Yeah, I'd, I'd be shocked it's, if it's, they started a year and a half ago. I'd be shocked too. <laughs> I, I would think that's I would think that's a guesstimate there. Whoever put that out, um, but is that you know what what we're talking about right now? I know there's a lot of Vandy people that will look at these and say, oh, that, that'll be two three years down the road. These aren't coming anytime soon. But is that how Vandy fans sound? That's how I think Tennessee fans sound. Well, there's some Vandy, there's some Vandy fans that sound like that. But well, I mean. Is that I, I don't want to talk about that right now. Like it, it, it is it's there. And, and I think, you know, that's a question mark. But the thing we know right now is it's happening. And you know, yeah, it, it is happening. And we keep saying like all these upgrades in it happen. Well, they got the new locker room already. That's already done. Um, they've already released these renderings. Like, guys, there's so much stuff to fix. They've, they've added the video boards and added mm -hmm. the lights. And also added the sound, the sound, down. the sound needs to be fixed. That is he the, the sound. Yeah. But guys this is going to take a long time i mean it's I, not like this I don't is, know why, this is i don't know why there's this ex, yeah i don't know why there's this expectation like this is going to get all done in two years like even if they put 300 million dollars behind it i'm like construction takes time regardless like it doesn't matter, no matter you're what you're many, doing and you're in the middle of downtown nashville so i'm i'm sure you have a little bit more restrictions as far as codes yeah. and building right. codes and everything but i do want to go back to the bcu games i did find the line oh, and okay, i know okay, that we we're, we're it's they're seven and a half point favorites um, VC. over VCU. Okay, Vandy is okay. Okay, Vandy seven. And a half. But keep in mind, I didn't realize this. VCU so far, their first two games of the year, they beat St. Pete fifty-seven to fifty-four, and they wow. lost to Wag and they lost to Wagner fifty-eight to forty-four. Wow. So they're, I didn't watch those games. I don't. Smart. I don't. Yeah, I don't know the stories behind that, but That's this me. is more and more looking like. This should be a win, as, right. and and expectation should be a win as opposed to looking, saying yeah, split this looking one at VCU, and the Pittsburgh game. Looking at VCU, it's just the it's name, like a, the name yeah, of VCU. The cachet, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's like Wichita State or even yeah. Belmont at this point. It's like you expect them to I'm be kinda, good. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. I'm kind of surprised by that. But yeah. yeah, they should win, and they if they win by twenty again, that's like that's another good sign for this team. But will mm -hmm. the you know as much as I don't want to talk about the dates of this. There are still a lot of logistical things that have to happen. Yes. Like they, they're getting, a, I think they're putting a power, brand new power plant in to supply power to all these buildings, which because with all these buildings, they, they, they don't have nearly enough power to supply all those. Um, but also there's a building, forgetting the name right now, 
I'm going to try to look it up that they're, they're con- completely wiping out. Um, and I'm forgetting the name of that, but, um, but yeah, there, there's still yeah. so much to be done. And, and while you, while you look that up, I yeah. can, I have some other comments I, I can make about the facilities and everything there mm-hmm. while you look up that building gotcha. they're demolishing there. But I, so I went to the Alabama state game. I, I went to it. I wanted to see, I had not been in Memorial and I couldn't tell you how long. Mm-hmm. And I will say regard first off, the mask stuff and all that was not enforced heavily. So if that's your concern and you're taking a stance, stop taking a stance and go to the game. So the, I want to ask you about so that. Was where that, was where that, people say, oh, was that ahead. at your specific gate? Like, or, you know, like what, where did you in enter? General. In general, okay. The okay. Normal, yeah, in general, I mean, the dude, I started pulling out my papers for them to review and the mm-hmm. dude just saw me start pulling it out of my wallet and said, just, just walk in. And you, and you, are, never, you are vaccinated, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. I had to for work, but, okay. um, no, and they never, I didn't have to ever put on the mask that I brought. So if you're yeah. taking a big stance on this, we always talk about players deserve support and mm-hmm. go out and support the, this basketball this t- team. This team I deserves said, support. This team deserves it. This team is fun to watch. They are exciting. Mm-hmm. You have a first round NBA draft pick point guard out there. Go out and go to these games. They're fun. And, and the student section kind of showed up honestly at the Alabama mm-hmm. state game, but the rest of the crowd is pitiful. Yeah. Go out to these games. They're fun. If I could have gone, I would have gone on Sunday um, to the Texas State game. But mm-hmm. the actual game day experience inside of Memorial was great. The yeah. LED video boards and the video boards the light show. on different tiers was awesome. Um, those video boards are great. Uh, and also, there weren't major changes, mm-hmm. but every single staff member that I dealt with getting concessions or the uh, ushers of the different sections were incredibly mm-hmm. it, it was great it was one of the most fun experiences I've had at a game ever so this is a funny story um, I don't know if this will get to anyone but I think I was sitting in <laughs> section b and I walked in and I bought a beer and I bought a soda and I got the soda and I immediately spilled the soda uh, <laughs> I, I literally set it below my feet and spilled it well one of the ushers came down because obviously you know I spilled this soda everywhere <laughs> And he walked up and he was like, did you spill this? And I was like, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, give me the cup. And I was like, I'll go refill what? it. And I, yeah. And he was like, what'd you have to drink? I'll go fill it up for you, my guy. Or Damn, whatever. And I was what like, a guy. So, what and a- every, everybody there and AD came to story. Lee actually came in, into our section, was talking to some people in front of us. But I was just the whole experience of being there and everything. It's better. just, it's kind of, it's kind of like being in Vanderbilt Stadium. I don't know if you've gotten a chance. I haven't. To go. I haven't. So the whole experience of game day in Vanderbilt Stadium, are there still things to fix? Absolutely. Yeah. But the improvement from this year as opposed to two years ago is night and day mm-hmm. um, with that experience. I'm not ashamed to bring people into that stadium right. anymore. There's there's some cool stuff like they have that whole market, beer market near, near yeah. the end zone, um, south end zone area. And just the little things, they're finally doing the little things that, that don't cost a ton of money. Yeah. They're not a $200 million facility upgrade. But it's the things like have re- or free refills for the soda exactly. spread out. Be unique. And the one thing, if they don't have in-stadium Wi-Fi, We're I'm right. going to lose my mind. Because Nissan Stadium has in-stadium Wi-Fi, and it is awesome. And Vanderbilt's capacity is going to be half of what Nissan Stadium is. So yeah. figure out a way to do it. You probably already have it on your college campus. Just go ahead and take a few million of those dollars and set up in-stadium Wi-Fi, because that would be something unique inside that stadium that most people don't have i know what it is will they don't want you to tweet during the games (laughs) yeah that's that you know that might actually be it might honestly maybe okay i take it back don't get wi-fi i i don't want to be able to tweet during games so i take it back 
Don't listen to me. Oh, Do not man. put in in stadium Wi-Fi. No, but honestly, Will, the, the, the small fixes from Candace Lee, and, and she has looked at what what she can do, and what can I do right now? And those things have happened. And these aren't groundbreaking achievements from her, but they are small fix fixes. It's just a, it's right. amazing. It's amazing that we are like so positive and so happy with like these super basic things that should have been done years ago. Because you actually feel That's like you what have a competent. You have a competent AD in now, and it and granted, I'm as critical as can be on anything because, but <laughs> it takes a lot for me to say I've been impressed, and I continuously every time that I kind of get unimpressed and get more critical, she then does something else that, that I, makes I feel, me more I feel and more like, impressed. I feel so, like the pendulum keeps swinging with you and Candace Story Lee. It goes up Candace and down. Story, well, and well down. first off, Candace Story Lee was on my shit list to start out. <laughs> I was not a fan at the beginning, and she just slowly keeps climbing up and climbing up, and it's like every time I get disappointed and get bumped back down, she Boom. goes up to a higher level, yep. and she just keeps elevating up and up. So if she, if she has impressed me, and you're going to hear nothing but positives out of me uh, for the next few weeks at least about, we about the athletic administration. Well, and, and also, you got to believe Tommy McClellan's helped a lot. And also, yep, yep. The, the teamwork. He, he, he deserves credit as well. Yes. And the teamwork with Daniel Deermeyer. I mean, he had, he's doing mm-hmm. the work of God in that academic. With that academic honestly, situation. honestly, those like, three have come in. And the big three. Deermeyer. Yeah. Deermeyer is just as important because if you don't have him on board, if you have like Zeppos, none of this happens. None of God this happens without Jesus Christ himself couldn't come down and convince and convince Zeppos that they needed to invest anything nope. into athletics. He was like ashamed of athletic success. <laughs> so I'm so happy Zeppos is gone. I, that also, is one of my least, will. least favorite human beings as far as actual logic used behind any of his decisions. Oh, really? He I, was well, like, I was, was going to try to get him on the pod soon. Yeah, the, yeah, the dude, the dude loved to uh, reap in the rewards of tens of millions of dollars that they brought in via SEC football and SEC basketball but then despised athletics and was like, we're just going to use this for academics though. And put up these new buildings, like screw over these kids that actually brought in the money and could, you know, use some support, just absolutely screw over those guys. And I want to use another word and I want to get more fired up Billy, but this has been a long episode. After Vandy beats Tennessee in football, Zeppos in his office, just pissed. Just like, damn. yeah, he's furious. He's like, <laughs> but well, I was, honestly, we, I was hoping we could finally leave the SEC and get out of here and go to the Ivy league. Uh, that, that was his ultimate goal, but thank God for yeah. Daniel Deermeyer. God bless Candace Lee and Tommy McClellan because the work they're doing again, still got to get these shovels in the ground, but right now we see this and we know it's happening and you know, that that's all we can do right now. And, and we that, do want to get our help. thoughts and prayers to uh, Barton Simmons before we close yes. out the show as yes. well. Absolutely. Mom, uh, Barton Simmons mom uh, tragically passed away. I think it was yesterday actually, but, uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. prayers up to him and his family. He's just, I mean, you can't say enough about that guy and, and um, you know, what he's done for, for this football team already. Uh, so yeah, prayers up to Barton Simmons and his family. Uh, but, uh, but Will, that was a long episode and uh, we'll, we'll try to, Again, football, as tough as it is right now, we're still doing our best work. We're doing the Lord's work, uh, still, still, <laughs> still uh, coming out here every day. But with basketball, Will, we've got a good team to cover here, and it feels good. Uh, but one more thing I was going to say, Will, on the baseball front, there could be some, some new renderings of some more new things at Hawkins Field, too. So stay tuned. Stay, Daniel Deermeyer, Candace, and Tommy are cooking some things up uh, in the future. But, Will, that, that'll do it here for Episode 125 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors.